copy of the scriptures this morning. And I would like to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Do you know what your heritage is? I mean, have you ever gone on that genealogy website and just put in all the information you can and you, you just dig and you dig and you dig. I, I think uh, Melanie is descended from some sort of royalty. This is why I treat her as such anyway. <laughs> I know a little bit about my background, you know. I know that uh, uh, the sea is in my blood. No pirates, as far as I know, but uh, had a captain of a ship as a great-grandfather. My grandfather was a chief engineer on a ship. My father was in the Navy. I had a boat once. <laughs> my friends, the reason I ask is because genealogy can matter. It can be awfully encouraging or it can be a rebuke to say, I need to change direction of my, my, my uh, genealogy, my, my, those that precede me. And my friends, today, in, in, in what we're going to look at is perhaps what most people think is just one of those horrible things about Scripture. You know, the whole long list of names, and this guy begat that guy, and that guy begat the other guy, and this guy begat that guy who was married to that girl, and, and, and the names are difficult to pronounce, and we say, what does it matter? Well, I'll tell you, my friends, here in Matthew 1, it matters a whole lot. And so we're going to dive in and look at this passage that perhaps previous to today you will have thought was just monotonous, something to skip over to get to the good stuff. But I'll tell you, friends, this is the good stuff. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David and the son of Abraham. And right there is a summary of what we are about to read. Matthew makes it abundantly clear that the key people in this genealogy that belongs to Jesus are David and Abraham. Now it is worth noting that Jesus Christ is the only Jew alive who can actually prove his claims to the throne of David. He is the only one with an accurate genealogy because in AD 70, the Romans marched into Jerusalem and destroyed everything in the temple. They destroyed it all. No records remain. And that is pretty significant. So we're going to look a little closer at these two individuals and see why it is significant that Jesus is their descendant. You will notice in, in verse 1 here, verse 1, the book of the genealogy of, 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 of <laughs> no, the, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Jesus is a son of Abraham. Let's go back as far as we can go in the nation of Israel. And we see that Jesus is the son of Abraham. And as you know, Abraham is a patriarch of Israel. 
And as you also know, because you are good students of the Word of God, you know that God made a very, very important covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And I would tell you this, if you don't understand that covenant, you will not understand anything that is going on in the Bible. It's like coming in the last three minutes of a movie. What happened? Who is that? Who, what's going on here? Why did they do that? Because Genesis chapter 3, or 12, I'm sorry, verses 1 to 3, lays it out. In Genesis chapter 12, you may want to turn there. Hopefully you've memorized it by now. <laughs> Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3. Now Yahweh said to Abram, his name was Abram at the time, soon to be changed. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. Any idea what nation he's talking about here? Yeah, Israel. Later, by one of his descendants, <laughs> uh, the, the name will be given. So I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. There's a principle there, by the way, that it would be wise of us to note that if God has blessed you he has done so in order that you may be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, hey, if you fell asleep, wake up here. Because this is significant. This is what points to Jesus. And in you... Your descendants, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It is significant that Jesus is a descendant of Abraham because it is Jesus that ultimately fulfills the Abrahamic covenants. Worldwide blessing. Sure, Jesus went to the Jew first. And the gospel in the book of Acts went to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. You remember Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, you know? You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And what are they going there for? To tell them about Jesus. Is it not astounding this morning? That here we are gathered on a Sunday morning with these books opened in front of us. Studying a man who lived 2,000 years ago. In a little, just a little spit of land for the nation of Israel. Is it not astounding that they actually did what they were told to do and go and preach the gospel? Aren't you glad somebody did that? Aren't you glad 
that generation after generation there were people who preached the gospel, that Christ died for our sin and rose from the dead, and that you can be saved by faith in Jesus? Aren't you thankful for that? Is that too subtle? (laughs) Pass it on, my friends. Pass it on. And so Jesus is the son of Abraham. He is a descendant of Abraham, and he must be in order to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant. And oh, there is so much more to that. The book of Revelation, we're going to study this sometime soon, but there is so much more of what it means to fulfill this covenant. Oh, my goodness, there is more. And so that takes care of the first of two individuals and why it is significant that Jesus goes back to Abraham. You will notice in verse 2, as this genealogy continues... Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah, his brothers. Now you know that Jacob had many other sons. All of the tribes of Israel are named after the sons of Jacob. But you will notice that it is significant that Jesus descends from the tribe of Judah. And there is a very, very important reason why. Because in Genesis chapter 49 and verse 8, this is Jacob blessing his children. And he says to Judah, your brother shall praise you. And that's what Judah means, to praise And your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies, and your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down and crouched as a lion, as in a lioness who dares to rouse him. And here comes the important stuff, my friends. Right here in verse 10 of chapter 49 of Genesis. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of of the people. Scepter, what's that scepter all about? It means kings. Judah... If you're going to be a king in Israel, you must come from the line of Judah. It is not enough, my friends, to say that you are a son of Abraham. Are you from the tribe of Judah? And he is. You see, Jesus descended from the tribe of Judah. And Judah is the tribe of kings. Very significant. But you know what? It's even more specific than that. It's not everybody that is from the line of Judah that will reign, my friends. If you will turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7, you will see one of the great covenants of the Bible. 
significant covenant in the nation of Israel. And it is found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. I have told this story over and over again. It should be locked in your brain. (coughs) You recall the, the account, David... King David is now reigning over all Israel. And he says, look at this. I live in a palace. But there's the tabernacle. You know what a tabernacle is, my friends? It's a tent. And God is dwelling in a tent. That's where his glory is. And David says it ain't right. That I should be living so well. And so he determines that he should do something about that. He goes to a prophet, and the prophet addresses the Lord. He says, no. The Lord's response was, have I mentioned to anyone I'd like to upgrade my housing? (laughs) I have not. But what I will do is I will build David a house. And here it is in verse 8. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and I have cut you off from your enemies from before you, and I will make your name great, like the name of the great ones of the earth who has not heard of King David." And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all of your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers. In other words, when you're not alive anymore. I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Very specific. Not their kingdoms. His kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He's talking about Jesus. A descendant of David. No, no, no. The descendant of David. And so my friend, you must, you must... You absolutely must be a descendant of David to be a king. And hear me when I say this and we go back to Matthew in verse 3. And we look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ and we read, And Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. And Boaz, 
the father of Obed, by Ruth. You remember her? Yeah. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Well, there's a story in itself. Jesus has the right to rule because he is a descendant of Abraham and he is a descendant of Judah and he is from the line of David. And the genealogy says, watch out for this one. All the right moves, my friend. And you know, if that isn't enough, that Jesus is the son of Abraham and Jesus is a son of David, friends, we just keep going higher here. Notice verse 7, where we then learn that Jesus is the son of God. And how do we do that? I mean, how can we demonstrate that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, take a look at the timing of his birth. Now, from verses uh, 7 to 16, we could read through this. I'm not going to. I will leave that for your reading pleasure. But it starts with Solomon. We've just seen that Solomon is the, the son of David. And this list continues. And when we get to verse 15, we see, And Eliud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Matan, Matan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. Now, therefore, understand that from the going out, look at verse 25, from the going out of the word to restore. Wow, let's see. How do we set this up here? Hmm. Yeah. He is the Christ. Know therefore, verse 25, that from the going out, to the, out of the word to the restore and to build Jerusalem, to the coming of the anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks, you see. From David to the exile. David to the exile. You remember the exile, right? Where the nation of Israel and Judah are pulled out of the land, taken captive to Babylon. We read about that in the Old Testament. Friends, read your Bibles. Get in the Old Testament and know Know the stories, know the accounts, because if you don't understand the Old Testament, you will find it very difficult to understand the new. You say, why does he go back and read all these old things? Because if you don't know the old, you'll never understand the new. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word, uh, going out of the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, that's the end of this 70-year exile. Hmm. Wow. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel 9. This is so important because Daniel gives us the exact time when which the Messiah should have been expected. 
he just lays it out here, my friend. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Daniel 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks. I ask of thee, what is a week? Is it not seven days? Specifically here, it is numbered as seven. Seventy sevens. Seventy sevens are declared about your people, your holy city, to finish the transgression to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity. Wow, that sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? And to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both the vision and the prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of anointed one, the Christ, uh, a prince... Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of the anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks, seven sevens. Then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with square and moat but in troubled time. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end shall come with a flood. And to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolators. Israel one day will make it a covenant with the Antichrist. All of this laid out here. But my friends, listen to me. Seventy weeks. Seventy times seven is... What's 490? So 490 years from the exile, the end of the exile, to go back to the birth of Christ. Now, I want you to look at here at verse 17. So, I'm going to wrap it up. All the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. Now, a generation was counted as 35 years. Get out your calculators. <laughs> so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation of Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. 70 times 7, 490. 35 years times 14 equals... 490 years, all they had to do was set the calendar that his coming. Now look at verse 18. Here we are back in Matthew 1, verse 18. And we're looking at uh, the evidence of the fact that uh, uh, this is indeed the Son of God. Look at the timing of his birth. Now let's look at the unusual pregnancy of Mary. 
Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Not from Joseph, from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Here's this woman that apparently Joseph loved, and he discovers that she is pregnant. And they have been engaged, and engaged is the same as married, my friend. That's the level of commitment. And so Joseph, in his heart, says, I need to put her away, but I love this woman, so I shall put her away and not put her to public shame. And so his plan is to go get a few witnesses and to divorce her. I divorce thee. You're gone. Hmm. Just like that. Well, so Mary's unusual pregnancy points to Jesus as the Son of God. But then look at verse 20. Just as Joseph, this just man, was was about to put her away and divorce her, he takes a little nap. Look at verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. This is revelation, my friends. Joseph, son of David. Anybody hear that? Yeah. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And so here we have an angel of the, of the Lord that appears telling us even more about the birth of this child, the origin of this child, of the Holy Spirit, conceived by the Holy Spirit. He is to be called Jesus. Yeshua is his name. Starts with that uh, expression, Yah. And you know what that's short for? Yahweh. That is the name of God. The Lord's salvation, for he shall save his people from their sins. And look at here in verse 22. Verse 22. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And do you know what Emmanuel means? It means God with us. God with us. Jesus is God. We learned that from John's gospel last week. And here Matthew nails it down for us. Emmanuel, God with us. And when Joseph awoke from sleep, 
He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. And by that name, by no other name, can anyone be saved. He is our only hope, my friends. Jesus is the long-awaited king. And his kingdom is yet to come. And he will reign, say it with me, forever and ever. He is the long-awaited king. And my friends, because Jesus is your king, you ought to serve him. You ought to serve him. And you know how we do that? We obey his word. And we could sum up all of it with one expression. Any idea what that might be? Love. One of the ways that we serve the Lord is by serving others. By stepping up. When you see the need and you are able to meet the need, you do so. He is your king, so serve him. And my friends, Jesus is your king, so praise him. Sing those songs. My friends, is it not, it is not a coincidence that music is connected with the church. We sing praises to him, A, because he is worthy of it, and we need it. It is the outworking of worship in our lives. Sing songs of praise. But you know, another way you can praise him is by telling other people about him. Yeah. Isn't that how it goes? When you're just bulldozed over by somebody, you can't wait to tell someone else about it. I remember when I was first a believer. That's where it all started for me. My life was changing. I mean, my future had changed. Everything was changing in my life. How could I not tell my friend Steve? How could I not run to his house? He lived next door. And say, hey, I got to tell you something. I didn't know how, my friends. But I was going to figure out how to lay it out there. Make him known, my friends. And because Jesus is your king, trust him. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. 